Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. We're in Joshua 12. Israel, this is about Israel. A lot of this has to do with Israel. All of this has to do with Israel. The conquest of Israel taking the promised land that God promised that they could get. But, you know, God promised it. He didn't mean just walk in and it's a breeze. You know, God promises us to be conquerors. He promises us eternal life and blessing. But that doesn't mean stepping out there is just going to be easy. You know, you got to fight a little bit. And there's refining in the fight. You know, refining builds you up. It strengthens you. So that's what it's good for. But this is Israel. This is big time uh, conquest here. And I'm going to use a, an Israel verse from what we studied in the previous chapter in Joshua 10 and 42. It says, All these kings and their land Joshua took at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. God fights for Israel, and it ain't just then, it's still right now. They're, they're put into that one little country, that one small place that I heard another pastor, he said, Israel is a piece of carrot cake, he called it, because it comes down to a little wedge, you know. And all these nations around there saying, we want that land, and they're all coming in trying to get it, launching rockets in all the time. You need to get the, I think it's called the Red Alert app for your phone. Every time a rocket gets launched into Israel, you'll know about it. And it'll tell where the rocket's going and when it's shot and everything. The countries hate them, but God still fights for Israel. And it made national headlines in Israel that even one of the terrorists, when they launched a rocket, this big wind from the ocean came and blew the rocket way out into the, out to the sea. And even the terrorists were saying, their God is blowing our rockets out into the sea. <laughs> and so God fights for Israel. So let's pray for Israel uh, that he continues, because he will, whether we pray for it or not. We just need to pray in agreement with that. Father, thank you. Thank you. You fight for Israel, the, con- uh, the, the nation of people that we have been grafted into, us Gentiles, that you protect your people. Thank you, Lord God. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the believers who are there. Lord, the persecution that they face and the, um, the prejudice they face, Lord, bless them. Bless the believers and bless the pre-believers, Lord God, that uh, we reach them through our ministry over there with Dove Schwartz on the ground in Israel. We thank you for it, Father. Bless Israel. We love Israel, Lord God. And uh, we also ask you a special blessing on them tonight, this first day of Hanukkah. Uh, Lord God, bless the people. that you, you fight for your people. You provide for them. And Hanukkah even demonstrates that, Lord God, that you love the worship of your believing people. And so, Lord, we look forward to the day when you come back on Mount of Olives and, and you're going to set out everything right and you're going to rule. We look forward to that. Thank you, Lord God, for Israel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in Joshua 12. And they've been sweeping through the land, and that big northern alliance tried to come against Israel. The biggest force they ever saw. All these kings got together and said, let's go get them. And they still couldn't take Israel. And we're going to see an account 
in Joshua 12, an account of all the kings that went down under Israel, all the kings that went under. So we're going to get an account of all these kings because it was important to keep records of victories. Not only that, but it gives an indication of how God does fight for Israel. So here we are in Joshua 12 and 1. The conquered kings, the kings conquered. Now these first ones are the kings conquered by Moses. These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. One king was Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabbok, which is the border of the Ammonites, and the eastern Jordan plain from the sea of Kinneroth, which is also called the Galilee, from the sea of Kinneroth, as far as the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, the road to Beth Jeshemoth, and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. The other king was Og, king of Bashan, and his territory, who was of the remnant of the giants, who dwelt at Ashtaroth and at Edri, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Salca, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Machathites, and over half of Gilead to the border of Sihon, king of Heshbon. These Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, it was always customary, as I was getting at, very customary to keep a record of your victories. Now, there were some nations back in the day, they refused to keep track of their defeats. If they got whooped, they didn't record that. I mean, pride, I guess, they didn't record it. Uh, For example, Egypt's defeat at the Red Sea is not in their recorded history. That way it's easy to deny it ever happened, right? And so they don't even think it ever happened at all. But this is a record of Israel's victories, and it's always important to keep a list of victories for the generations that come down the line. And in Israel's case, it would help future Israelites to see God's hand and how He fights for Israel. If you're trying to tell your kids God fights for Israel, and they go, well, how? Well, here's this record, and let's look at what all happened here. Uh, Oh, okay, I see it now. So it's very important to keep that record. And so the victories listed here in verses 1 through 6, they record the victories that were won under Moses during Moses' time when they were on the east side of the Jordan. They hadn't crossed into the Jordan yet. Remember, that was Joshua when they came into the Jordan. So this is all eastern side of the Jordan. See there in verse 1, it says, whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. That would mean east. They hadn't crossed in yet. And so everything conquered east of the Jordan was Moses' leadership. Now, the Bible always gives us a landmark, so to speak. You know, when you're driving somewhere and you got this turn coming up and you don't even know the name of the street, but you know the landmark. I mean, it just sticks out. Uh, I've lived in Alvin my whole life and people go, oh, Ray, you know, over there on Durant Street. I'm like, no, I don't know. You've lived in Alvin your whole life and you don't know where Durant Street is. I said, no, I don't. What's down there? And they tell me what's down there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Anyway, it's kind of, that's kind of the way I work. I need landmarks. And so God has this landmark moment where everything conquered up to the Jordan was done by Moses. That landmark, that Jordan River there. And then everything from Jordan westward was Joshua. Moses died in Deuteronomy 34. And the next book right behind it is Joshua 1. 
which is right where Joshua picks up. You know, one time I was in Israel and we drove over the Jordan and I didn't even know it. I thought it was a to Texans. It was a rice canal. And uh, I'm just kind of sitting there in the car, you know, and somebody said something. Oh, that was the Jordan back there, by the way. Oh, it was? I thought it was a rice canal. <laughs> so we turned around and went back and looked at it. And I said, oh, that's Jordan. Okay. It was obviously a very narrow part of the Jordan. Uh, there's wider parts, but it w- would have been easy for me to miss. But uh, that one little piece of water there is quite the landmark in Isra- Israelite history. Jordan, uh, when they crossed in, Moses' leadership to Joshua's leadership. And so understanding these historical events helps us to see a timeline better. I'm big on timelines. I'm big on geography when it comes to the Bible, because when you go to Israel, you'll see it better. And plus, you can get a picture. Uh, show that map. And this map here, you can see Sihon and Og's rule, their territory. East of the Jordan River, you see that Jordan going up through there. It runs uh, vertical. See the lines that go are around. You got the Dead Sea at the bottom. You got the Galilee at the top, which is Kinneroth, and you've got that blue. You can see the the Jordan running right there uh, along the along the area of Canaan. It just runs right. Up. It connects the two seas together. On the south end of the map, you can see Sihon's rule outlined in red. And verse three said that his territory was from the Sea of Kinneroth the Galilee. And so you can see that his territory comes up into a sliver of land up until it touches the tip of the Galilee. And his territory runs as far as the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, which is also known as the Dead Sea. Now, I'm making an educated guess here that the reason that Sihon's territory has that sliver extending up to Galilee is because it's a fishing route. There's nothing to catch in the Dead Sea. Okay, I've been there, and uh, it's so... It's so dense with salt that maybe almost 50% of your body floats above the water line when you get in it. And if you ever get any of that water in your mouth or in your eye, show's over. It's done. So when I see geography and I see a little sliver of land, see how his goes up, right? And it touches the Galilee. I'm thinking there's a reason for that, that he wanted some of his territory to have some fish. Okay, so, you know, understand when the Bible just describes it, I'm a visual guy. I got to see it. So that's, that's the outline of it. It's, it's salty, and you can't, you can't catch any fish there. And so King Og's territory was more northward, as verse 5 says. It says he reigned over Mount Hermon. You can see Mount Hermon way up there at the top. He reigned over Mount Hermon, over Salca, where they're over to the east end of his territory, and over half of Gilead to the border with King Sihon. So you can see they border each other. But all this area of both kings is on the east side of the Jordan. All of it's on the east side. Now let's remember Joshua 1, right before the Israelites crossed the Jordan from the east territories to go in and conquer the west, Joshua ordered the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh to cross west of the Jordan with Israel. They had their inheritance established on the east side of the Jordan. Well, Israel still had yet to cross to the west and capture everything. So you don't want... Two and a half of your tribes saying, well, we're just going to sit down on the east side. Y'all have fun conquering on the west. They had to make this commitment that leave your women and children on this east side. You're crossing in with the west with all your brothers, and we're conquering until everybody gets everything. And then after everything's conquered, then you can go back to your east side. So that's why if you look again at Joshua 11.6, look at verse 6 there. It says... Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. 
And this is the east of the Jordan, which was given to these tribes. The remaining tribes still had to go in. They had to go in with them and then take over the territory to the west. So that's why those three tribes were listed. That was their side of the Jordan, but they still went in and made the conquest with Israel. And a key moment I want you all to see out of this is that it required unity. It required unity to pull all this off. Okay, well, we're on our east side, we're fine. No, you're coming in with everybody else. We're all going together. And when it's all done, then you can go home, okay? Unity, big deal here. Keep that in your mind. So we just got a good geography lesson. Good geography lesson, which helps us to see how uh, the previous chapter in Joshua 10 wraps up by saying, in, in Joshua 10 and 23, it wraps up by saying, so Joshua took the whole land, according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. So everybody conquered everything. Uh, just because you got your section doesn't mean you stop. Finish with your brothers and let's conquer the whole thing. Unity, unity, unity. Anyway, now we're in Joshua 12 and 7. The kings conquered by Joshua. Now, this is a list, and you're going to see it, name a king, and then it's going to say one. So what we're doing is we're keeping up with a count here is why it says one, every time it says one. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west. Now, I want to stop here for a second real quick because I see something cool. These are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west. I like how we get a perspective here of location in the text, a perspective of location, where I love it how he says, and these are the kings that were on this side. You hear how he's, how he's saying it? These are the kings that were on this side, on the west. He's saying like, look where I am. I'm on the west over here. Can y'all hear that? It's like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> He's on the west side of the Jordan, and he's writing this after Israel already conquered the kings. You know, you see those guys make a touchdown, and they get in, and they slam the ball down, and they do that, they do that little thing they do, whatever, they churn the butter or whatever, they do that little, here I am, I'm on this side, I did it, I'm over here, got gotcha. you. It's kind of what I'm seeing him saying over here. He goes, these are the kings of the country with which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side. And he didn't just say this side. He said, oh yeah, on the west. This side on the west. We in the house. (laughs) I just read that and I just got all lit up. I was so excited to read that. I could just, maybe he wasn't the best in his description, but I I get it from him. I, I get his excitement from him. On this side, on the west side. It, it, it's it's exciting, but so what I want to want us to take from this real quick is that if you're saved in Jesus, let your life have expression. Let your life have expression. You, you know when you text people and it, it's hard to get the express, expression and things are missed. You know I got his expression from this because he gave us two things. He goes from this side of the Jordan, the West. Uh, you know, try to get in the story with these guys and understand where they're coming from. Let your life have expression, especially that when God promised you eternal life and that God can deliver. God promised the people, I'm going to get you in this land, and he delivered because we see the author say, on this side, on the west, he's expressing the promise of God fulfilled. 
We can live our life the same way. Express your life demonstrating the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Don't keep it private. God does a great thing in your life. Get out there and tell everybody about it. Sling it all over the place like mud. Show them how great God is. And that's what I think this guy's doing here. Let people know where you are. Don't live a ho-hum life of just blah. Well, I'm saved. I'm in Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord a long time ago. Eh. Get excited. Express it. Let people see it. Let people know. Let people know that Jesus is actually fun. There's nothing worse than the Christians that, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. Whatever. And they have the most boring look on their face. And they go, you want Jesus too? (laughs) I'm sorry. If I was the unbeliever and I was at the time, I'd say no. I want excitement. I get more excitement from my beer parties. I get more excitement from all the things I do. Why do I want to get bored in your Jesus like you seem to be? Express it. Jesus is not boring. He's the best party that there ever is going to be, and it's going to be eternal. Let people know how excited you are. And I could see this guy's expression. He is expressing that when God offers a promise, God can deliver. I'm on this side of Jordan on the west. (laughs) I gave my life to Jesus. I'm on this side of life. I'm saved. See what I mean? Give some expression to that. Something like that in the text is easy to miss. But man, just dive in. When God promises something, He makes it happen. He makes it happen. He delivers. He delivered for Israel and He'll deliver for you. How? Acts 2.21 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord might be saved. Tommy loves it when I do that, I think. What does it say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will be saved. I'm on this side. Can you hear it? (laughs) Be excited that God is a deliverer of promises. Aren't you glad we serve a God that can pull it off? Aren't you glad? He can actually do it. So read with me again. Let's try to pull the expression out of victory from the author. Joshua 7 7 through 24. We're going to do a big chunk. These are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west. From Baal, Gad, in the valley of Lebanon, as far as Mount Halak, and the ascent to Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions, in the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The king of Jericho won. We're keeping a list, remember. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. Is this tally building up? Look how successful this is. Get excited. God let them take all these guys over. Verse 11 again, the the king of Jarmuth won, the king of Lachish won, the king of Eglon won, the king of Gezer won, the king of Debir won, the king of uh, Jeder, I guess, won, the king of Horma won, the king of Ered won. I know, Ray, you actually going to read all this? Yes, I am. It's the word of God. Verse 15, the king of Libna won, the king of Adullam won, the king of Mechida won. The king of Bethel won. Guys, I know this seems repetitive, but this is victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. And the more conquerors we hear, the more excited we should be. The king of verse 17, the king of Tapua won. The king of Hefer won. The king of Aphek won. The king of Lesharon won. 
The king of Madon won. The king of Hazar won. The king of Shemron, Meron won. The king of Akshaph won. The king of Tanakh won. The king of Megiddo won. The king of Kadesh won. The king of Joknam and Carmel won. The king of Dor and the heights of Dor won. The king of the people of Gilgal won. The king of Tirzah won. All the kings, 31. 31. Can you imagine what Joshua would have thought? He said, okay, when y'all go in, you're going to have 31 kings and kingdoms and armies to take down. You're going to have 31. Did he tell him that? No. Why? It's probably best we don't know what's coming. Because we probably lay down and say, well, forget it. It can't happen. You know, you got things coming. You got things coming. And you know you do. Aren't you glad God doesn't tell you what it is? It's best that we don't know. Because he expects you to face it and trust with him that it's going to get taken care of. Well, this is now after the fact. It's done. And now we get to see that there are 31 kings. And remember, each king had an army. And each king also had maybe probably a city. There's a lot going on here. It's 31. 31 of them. Now, the first section listed 16 kings of the southern area because Joshua came up and conquered from the south first. And then it lists 15 who were in the northern area. Now, something interesting here is that these 31 kings reigned over an area that's 150 miles long, north to south, and about 50 miles wide. So you got a long group, 150 by about 50 miles wide. And that little bit of land occupied 31 kings. 150 by 50, 31 kings. That sounds like a lot of kings in a small area, but at that time, kings ruled over what was like city-states. And it would be as if, say, Pearland had a king, and Alvin had a king, and Friendswood had a king. It was kind of like that. It's kind of the way it was set up. And each king only had authority in his own territory. The king of Alvin didn't have authority in the king of Friendswood. Uh, the king of Lachish didn't have authority in an, another king's territory. So you got this little dotted up area of land divided into 31 pieces, which indicates something important. I noticed that this indicates... There was no centralized government and there was no centralized army over the whole region. What does this tell you? It tells you it's fragmented. Remember, all the tribes, I know y'all get to settle over on the east. I know this is your part on the east, but you're all coming in united with your brothers to finish the whole land together. So those two and a half tribes, they didn't get to sit down. No, you're going to stay united. So you got to realize there's a united Israel going in against a fragmented country. Very important. Keep a hold of that. Had there been one single authority that covered the entire land, then there would have been a unified military force across the entire land. They would have been equipped the same across the board. They would have been trained across the board. They would have known how to fight together. Whether you're from over here or over there, we would know how to coordinate. They would have been able to work together. They didn't have that because they were, it was fragmented. It was fragmented. What we should be able to see from this list of 31 different kings with 31 different armies is that long before Israel ever got to the land, God set the stage for their victory by fragmenting their enemy into pieces. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.